Christ's mission is our mission. There's a reason why our call to share Christ and his gospel is called the Great Commission. Not just another commission, it is the greatest task you will ever be assigned. Do you know that the tremendous blessing of helping somebody walk from darkness into light is an opportunity that we will never have again after we die? Never. There's no lost people in heaven. There's no need for evangelism. You have one chance to be a part of the work of Christ in saving someone's soul. And you're living in that chance right now. Because the church, how we doing? It is so good to be with you this morning. As Pastor David said, my name is Christian Norris, and I have the honor and the pleasure of serving here at Coastal Church as a resident in both our men's ministry and our youth ministry. Just to tell you a little bit more about me, I have a younger brother. Now, my younger brother is absolutely nothing like me. He actually likes to live a little bit more on the wild side. And what I mean when I say that, I don't even mean that in a sinful way. I mean, he just likes to live for the thrill of things and do things that get your heart racing, your adrenaline pumping, your palms sweaty. He just loves the feeling of putting his life in danger for whatever reason. Um, but one of the things that he, as my brother, has tried to convince me to do is to go skydiving. Now, I am not someone who likes to put their lives in danger for fun, but he'll ask me, hey, I'm thinking about going skydiving. Would you like to join me? Why anybody would want to jump out of a plane for fun, I don't know. Uh, but the closest thing to compromise that I'll do to skydiving is iFly. Who's heard of iFly? So, iFly, yeah. So basically, iFly, you've got a picture on the screen. iFly is skydiving in a tube with no chance of dying. Uh, so most people, like myself, have a healthy fear of heights, meaning they realize they're not invincible, and they don't try to get as close to the ledge as possible without falling off. Rather, they use wisdom and say, I'm going to steer as far away from that cliff, as far away from that ledge, because nothing is good for me at the bottom. There's a difference between healthy fear and unhealthy fear. Healthy fear, wisdom, says, and it keeps you away from real danger. So healthy fear, wisdom, keeps you away from real danger. Unhealthy fear causes anxiety, worry, strife, insecurity, loneliness, amongst a group of other things. See, this fear, this unhealthy fear can be paralyzing and it can completely change the direction of our lives and move us away from God's purpose. Now, I tell you that because having a healthy fear of heights is really similar to having a healthy and holy fear of God. The fear of the Lord is a healthy fear that will transform your relationship and your life with God. How many of you have heard that the fear of the Lord can be also known as the awe of God, or it's this reverence for God? 
I've heard people describe the fear of the Lord as that the, when you look at a beautiful sunset or you look at one of the wonders of the world, that feeling you get when you look at something really beautiful. While that's true to a degree, it is an incomplete definition of what the fear of God is. You must understand that there are two different types of fear. The fear of God and then the fear of everything else. And in the fear of everything else, those unhealthy fears is the fear of heights, fear of man, fear of death, fear of snakes. I mean, you can just go on and on and on. And we often, in Christian circles, talk about how the Bible says, fear not, right? We, we hear that 365 times the Bible says, fear not. But what we don't often talk about is that the Bible, in reference to fear with God, the fear of the Lord, is mentioned over 300 times times. The truth is, is when you fear the Lord, you fear nothing else. Now, just to clarify this morning, the fear of the Lord is not to be scared of God. It is not to be scared of God. It's actually a fear that draws you to him. Someone who fears God isn't afraid of God, but afraid of the consequences of not being inside his protection at all times. In other words, they're afraid of doing anything that would hinder their intimacy and relationship with God because that is what is most valuable to them. The truth is this morning, many true born-again Christians love God, but few fear him. There's a true story um, about an evangelist and a pastor, or about an evangelist in the 1980s, um, now, this evangelist, he had a very, very large ministry, very large. And if I said his name, you'd probably know who he is. He had a very large ministry, um, and he preached very passionately for Jesus. And he, he preached fervently, and you could tell he was really passionate. He really loved God. Um, but sadly, a few, year, few years into his ministry, he actually uh, he was found to be committing adultery um, and mail fraud. And the mail fraud actually got him sentenced to five years in prison. So during this five-year imprisonment, while the evangelist is in prison, um, a pastor goes to interview him. And when the pastor goes to interview him, uh, the pastor, after a few minutes of them talking and just getting to know each other, the pastor asks, evangelist, when did you fall out of love with God? And the the evangelist looks back at him and he says, pastor, I never fell out of love with God. So then the evangelist, now beginning to be confused and slightly angry, says, what do you mean you never fell out of love with God? You did all of these horrible things. You committed adultery against your wife at the time, and you stole millions of dollars from people in mail fraud. What do you mean you never fell out of love with God? And the evangelist, he looks, he looks right back in the pastor's eyes, and he says, Pastor, I never fell out of love with God. I just didn't fear him. Church, we can love God and not fear him. We can be genuine believers of Christ and not fear God. If we don't fear God, we are much more susceptible to sin. It's the fear of the Lord that causes us to depart from evil as we read in the Proverbs. It's the fear of the Lord. It's not God's loving kindness or his love that leads us to depart from evil, but it's the holy fear of the Lord. 
The truth is, if we desire to live in holiness, we must fear God. If we desire to know God more intimately and experience him in greater ways, we must fear God. If we desire to be all that God calls us to be for his glory, we must fear God. I've prayed about this message. I believe it's very needed in our current culture, but I want to make something very clear to you. I'm not speaking to you as someone who has perfected walking in the fear of the Lord. I need this message just as much as you do. But if we can, if we can get this in our hearts to understand and walk in the fear of the Lord, it will change everything. So this morning we're going to be talking about what the fear of God is, what the fear of God leads to, and then how the fear of the Lord transforms our relationship with God. Now, it won't be in one set passage of Scripture or one text or one verse as, from Scripture as we normally are. And I know we typically, we take a passage of Scripture and we build the message off that. And that's what I actually prefer to do as well. However, this morning, we're going to be all over the Scriptures. We're going to be incorporating many different passages and verses to understand what it means to fear God and in that, the beauty of fearing God. So in similar, and similarly to a puzzle when you have the or a puzzle piece, when the puzzles are in the box, they're all scattered and it doesn't make a clear and perfect picture. But as we begin to put the puzzle pieces together, as we begin to put the verses of scripture together, it starts to make sense and become more complete. And so my hope for us this morning is that as we begin to piece together the fear of God, you begin to recognize and are able to see how beautiful and magnificent and glorious he truly is. Point number one, the fear of God is a gift. Point number one, the fear of God is a gift. We're coming off the Christmas season. How many play the white elephant tradition game? Anybody play that? Okay, a few of you guys. So for those of you who don't know what the white elephant tradition is, is uh, basically you have people in a circle and there's gifts in the middle and you draw random numbers and they're assigned with gifts. But throughout the game, players can steal your gifts. And so it's really easy to get a gift you don't want or a gift that nobody wants. The fear of God is not that kind of gift. It is not the kind of gift that you want to reject. According to the scripture, with the fear of the Lord comes wisdom, understanding, knowledge, the potential to prolong your life. It's a fountain of life, strong confidence, blessings, hope, a noble legacy, and the foundation of all joy. Sounds like a really good gift, right? It almost sounds like a prosperity gospel, like if you believe into these things, then you get these things. But it's not. It's not. These are all promises in Scripture that God associates with the fear of the Lord. Now, we don't have time this morning to go over all of those promises, all of those benefits, all of those gifts. But I do want to go over two of the gifts that have been incredibly significant in my life and can be just as significant in yours. So number one, the beginning of knowledge. This is not in your notes, but the beginning of knowledge Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. 
Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The scripture is very clear. If we don't fear God, we don't have knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all lasting and enduring wisdom. We can't even begin to understand the things of God if we don't have a healthy and holy fear of him. John MacArthur puts it like this in his commentary. He says, This reverential awe and admiring submissive fear is foundational for all spiritual knowledge and wisdom. See, holy fear gives us the ability to say, I don't know all the answers, but I'm going to seek God and his face until he gives me the answers. And then once he does give me the answers, I'm going to live according to what I have now learned. See, we can know a bunch of theological themes, a bunch of theological terms. We can know the Greek and the Hebrew, all the different names of God. We can know these things, but if we are only hearers of the word and not doers, we haven't learned anything. Knowledge is for the point of learning. And learning is only real learning if it affects the heart and produces change. So the second benefit that we're going to go over this morning is strong confidence. Strong confidence. Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have refuge. As we said earlier, when you fear God, you fear nothing else. We live in a society, as you guys would agree, it's driven by fear. A lot of us, even a lot of us in this room, we have anxiety or a fear when it comes to something. Whether that's finances, government officials, or the potential of wars, sickness, people we love dying, our own well-being. Just to get uh, transparent with you guys for a second, um, one of the most crippling and limiting things that I've fought in my life is the fear of man. What will people think about me? What, how will this make me look? What if they don't like me? This inward desire to please people instead of pleasing God and having that be my motivation for everything I do. I made most, if not every decision based on what I thought others would think of me. For a long time, I didn't even realize I was doing it. And instead of being myself or speaking up for what I thought was right, I would put on a facade and keep quiet because I didn't want people around me to think that I was foolish. I needed people's approval and I wanted people to like me even at the expense of my relationship with God. Some of you may be even acknowledging this morning that that is something that you wrestle with too. The approval of people, the fear of man. And I am telling you from personal experience that when you walk in the fear of God, you no longer fear man. There is a freedom that comes with not caring about what anybody else thinks about you except God and making your decisions to please him and him alone. A common phrase we hear a lot is to live for an audience of one. I'm going to meddle for a little bit. How many of us actually do that? 
live for an audience of one. We make every decision based off what God thinks and what God's word says. What would happen if we did? What would happen if we were Christians who made decisions in the fear of the Lord based off not caring what anybody else thought, but what God says in his word? Uh, a quote that convicted me a lot uh, as I was preparing for this is a quote by William Gurnall. And it says, we fear men so much because we fear God so little. I can promise you that was true for me. And it's still a struggle for me. But again, I want to repeat, when I'm walking in the fear of the Lord, when you walk in the fear of God, you're free from the fear of man. The fear of God eradicates all unhealthy fears. Second thing we'll look at is the fear of God is God's treasure and Jesus's delight. Isaiah 33 chapter 6 says, Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. It's God's treasure that we fear him. One of the commentaries I looked at described, The fear of the Lord is how God receives a tribute of honor, of more value than the greatest treasure. Essentially, when you are striving after holiness because you realize there is nothing good apart from him and the desire of your heart is that you just want to be close with him and not just know about him, but actually know God for who he is, he values that. He treasures that. God so deeply treasures a person whose heart is given over to himself, that's captivated by Yahweh. A heart that says, Lord, I'm afraid to choose my sin because I don't want to be away. I don't want to separate myself from you. I want to be close with you. Isaiah 11, chapter 1, um, excuse me, Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 3 say, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. So Jesse, just for context, Jesse was, the king, was King David's father through whose line the Messiah was to come. And a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, him being Jesus, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And look at this church. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. And his delight, and Jesus' delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. Jesus' delight on earth was in the fear of the Lord. And his main goal on earth was to accomplish the will of his Father, to die on a cross for you and for me. See, Jesus didn't fear anyone or anything except God alone. It was the fear of the Lord that gave Jesus the wisdom to look past his current circumstances and accomplish the will of the Father. Look past his earthly life and all the sufferings that he would go through and accomplish the will of the Father. Jesus walked in the fear of the Lord on this earth and he experienced the beautiful gift that it is. If the fear of God is Jesus' delight, and our goal as Christians is to be like Christ, then our delight too should be in the fear of the Lord. So make the fear of the Lord your delight. And in doing this, you will walk free of all other fears and in the wisdom of God. Not only will the fear of God free you from all other fears of God, 
give you wisdom and knowledge and all the other gifts that we talked about earlier that I, that I briefly named, it will also lead to point number two. Point number two, the fear of God leads to a life of holiness. Point number two, the fear of God leads to a life of holiness. Holiness is the condition of our heart in which God is our greatest happiness, in which God is our greatest joy. Holy fear keeps us from continuing in sin. And by no means can we ever be perfect because we live in the flesh, we live in this world, we have sinful natures. So think about it like this. As we progress through our Christian faith, we will never be sinless, but we should always be sinning less. Proverbs 16, 6 says, By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. It is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. We read this in Romans chapter 2, verse 4. It is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. But it is the fear of the Lord that keeps you from having to repent for that same sin over and over and over and over again. Have you ever been doing something or attempted to do something um, I'll speak from personal experience, I have. You know you shouldn't be doing, but before you do, you take a look to the right and a look to the left to make sure no one is physically around you before you do it. That is the antithesis, the opposite of what it means to fear God. That is the opposite of faith. When you look around to see if no one else is physically around you, that is the opposite of what it means to fear God. Someone who fears God says, even though there may be nobody physically around me, God sees me. And because God sees me, I'm not going to do anything that I shouldn't be doing. I'm going to turn the other direction. I'm going to think a different thought. I'm not going to go that way. Why? Because God sees not only your actions, but your thoughts and your motives. The fear of the Lord empowers us to stay on the path to true holiness just like we talked about earlier, how a healthy fear of heights keeps you from jumping off of a cliff. A holy and healthy fear of God keeps you from jumping into a life of sin. A person who fears God is filled with joy and delights in obeying in God's commands. Why is it important that the fear of, the God leads, that the fear of God leads to, life, to a life of holiness? Because true joy is only found in obedience. To God. Psalm 112 verse 1 says, Praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. One of the biggest misconceptions that we have, especially in Western Christianity, is that holiness is a burden. Holiness is not a burden. Following God's, following God's will is not a burden. Listening and being obedient to the scriptures is not a burden. Holiness is, a, is not a burden, it's a blessing. We've developed this mindset that says, I really want this sin, but I can't have it. I really want to do this thing, but God says I can't. And then there's disappointment with that. 
The person who fears God has an entirely different perspective. No, 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 I get to be holy. I get to know God as my friend and father. I know what that sin leads to. It leads to brokenness, shame, and worst of all, it damages the intimacy that I have with my God. And because of that, I won't go there and I won't think that thought. The person who fears God says, before I knew Christ, I only knew how to swim with the current of the world. But now that I know Christ, God has empowered me through his Holy Spirit to go and swim in the other direction. What I'm about to say (laughs) sounds like something pastors and preachers are supposed to say. Um, But let me be very clear. I promise you it's not just something I'm saying because I feel like I have to. I have never felt more free. I have never felt more free than when I am walking in holiness driven by the fear of the Lord. Holiness is a privilege given to us by God. Before we were Christians, we had no choice to choose right or wrong. The Bible says we only knew our sin, but now God has given you the freedom to go the other direction. Before we were saved, we didn't know anything but to indulge in our sin, to please ourselves. But now, for those of us in Christ, we have the privilege of knowing the spiritual food only God provides. So would you stop going back to what the world offers when it leaves you empty over and over and over again when God has given you his very best in his son? Our perspective has to change from seeing holiness as a burden to seeing it as a blessing, a get to rather than a have to. And when it does, your joy will imminently, meaning it will imminently overflow. It will, there's nothing that can stop it. It will overflow. And so ask God to change your heart in that. Believe it or not, God doesn't want following him to be a drudgery. He doesn't want it to be something that you hate. He wants his children to find joy in him. He wants to change your heart and fill you with his joy. Even as believers, um, there are times where we can develop an appetite for dog food instead of the finest of steaks. And what I mean by that is that we can develop this appetite for sin instead of an appetite for the things of God. We can enjoy sin more than we can enjoy holiness. Only God can change that appetite and give you a new one. All throughout the Bible, uh, we see God cares for us, and God wants to be close to us. But this leads me to point number three. But to be close with God, you must fear him. Point number three, to be close with God, you must fear him. The greatest pleasure that we as believers can experience is to know God closely, to truly know him firsthand. True intimacy with God's only possible through holy fear. In Psalm 25, 14, we read, The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. Again, I'm going to read that again. The friendship of the Lord, the friendship of God is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. The Hebrew word for known in this verse is yada. It's pronounced yada, which means to intimately know someone. 
Here's a definition I recently word for the word yada. The word yada is most frequently used to convey intimacy. It's used in Genesis 4.1 when we read, Adam knew yada, Eve his wife, and she conceived. The Holy Spirit used yada to identify the closest two human beings can become in this life. Think about that. God's innermost personal relationship, his inner thoughts, motives, feelings, and heart is revealed only to those who fear him. Are you, I hope we're starting this morning to understand how crucial, how crucial yet beautiful the fear of the Lord is, how crucial it is to having an intimate relationship with God. True intimacy is more than knowledge. You can know a lot about God and not know God. It's two totally different things. Think about your favorite celebrity, or if you're a sports fan, think about your favorite athlete. You may know their favorite food. You may know their favorite color. You may know their jersey number. You may know their favorite restaurant. You may know their spouse. But you don't know them. You don't know their innermost thoughts and desires. You don't know their emotions. You know about them. You don't actually know them. More importantly, they don't know you. And I think we can do the same thing with God. We can know a lot about him, but not know him. Being close with God is the greatest benefit of fearing God. Out of all the benefits we name, prolonged life, wisdom, knowledge, being close with God is the greatest benefit of fearing God. Listen to the heart of Asaph um, as he writes this in Psalm 73. This is the heart of someone who fears God and is close with him. So starting in verse 23, Psalm 73, Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing that I desire besides you. There's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, but for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all of your works. God was Asaph's portion, his all in all forever. His everything. Asaph realized everything our souls long for is found only in Christ. God is the only one who can truly fill the holes in our hearts. No sin can fill that hole. There is so much joy in knowing our creator intimately. So much more joy than any sin or short-term pleasure. In the Psalms we read that God puts more joy in our hearts than when when, when the world's grace and wine abound. There is so much more joy in any, there's so much more joy in Christ than any sin or short-term pleasure. God is opening himself to those who will diligently seek him. So experience his goodness for yourself. 
There's a quote from Joy Dawson that reads, I would rather pay the price to hear God's voice personally, regardless of how difficult the circumstances may be, than to have to settle for always hearing from him secondhand. Meaning, I would rather hear from God personally in my quiet time, in my prayer time, no matter what it takes, instead of always hearing from him from somebody else. From always hearing from him from a friend or a coworker or a pastor or a preacher, I want to hear God for myself. I want to know what he says in his word for myself. And church, is that our heart this morning? Do you want to hear from God firsthand regardless of the cost? Regardless how much time it costs you, regardless of how much sweat and tears it takes in your prayer closet, regardless of what you have to cut out from the world, is that our heart, to hear from God firsthand regardless of the cost? I know this morning is challenging and it's hard. I know that because in preparation for this, it was challenging and hard. My heart in this and the heart of all of our pastors and all of our preachers on the staff is that we want you to know God intimately and experience the beauty and the gift of his friendship. 2 Corinthians 7.1 says, Since we have these promises, God promises us, right, all these gifts that we've talked about, and we have a holy fear of him, most notably his friendship. So all the promises that we've talked about, 2 Corinthians 7.1 says, Since we have these promises that God has given to us, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. It's my encouragement to us this morning to repent from sins that we're still entertaining and to walk in the fear of God because holiness is a blessing and it's the only place life is found. We know our sin never fulfills us. I know that, you know that this morning. It leaves us empty every single time. I will tell you from personal experience, every time I have been tempted to sin and given in, I have regretted it every single time. But the few times I have chosen to deny myself and walk in obedience to God, I've never regretted it. Never regretted it. And I know you can attest to the same thing. My encouragement to us is to not lose the awe of his presence, to not, be, to, to not lose the sight of being captivated by who God is and the glory that he is. To never lose the sight of the beauty and the gift of his friendship. Having a holy and healthy fear of God is how you experience closeness to God that you never imagined was possible. How did Jesus live perfectly in the fear of God? I think we can all acknowledge that this life is really hard. It can be really challenging. Different seasons more than others, but this life can be very hard. As the scriptures say, though, Jesus was tempted in the same way as us at all points, but he remained sinless. Jesus was able to remain perfect on this earth because he was fully God and fully man. Because he was sinless, he was able to die the death both you and I deserve on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven. The Bible says all have sinned against God. That includes us. 
And we've all sinned against a holy God. And because of that, we are worthy of hell and the grave. But God. But God sent his son to die in our place. And this gives us great hope because for those of us who are in Christ, we have been made righteous because of what Jesus has done. If you aren't a Christian, if you haven't trusted in Christ, if your life hasn't been transformed by the gospel, you went from one way of living to a new way of living because of what God has done in you. You become a new creature. If you haven't been transformed by that gospel, this is the gospel. Jesus is God. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Jesus bodily rose from the grave, authenticating his claims as God. And what we do with that gospel is we repent. We repent, meaning we acknowledge that the way that we were going, the things that we were doing, our way or the wrong way. And we say, no, I'm going to turn. I'm going to live God's way. We repent from our sin. We turn away from our sins. We believe that Jesus took our place on the cross. You believe that Jesus took your place on the cross so that you could be forgiven, not by anything that we've done, but by what Jesus did. Then we receive, so we repent, we believe, and then we receive. We receive Jesus into our life, and we're transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not a willpower thing. It's not a white knuckle, I'm going to do this. It's Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, working in our lives. All the beauty that we've talked about with holy fear this morning, all of the beautiful gifts and the healthy and holy fear of God, you can't even begin to experience that until you become a Christian. And so in summary this morning, the fear of the Lord is a gift that we should treasure. The fear of the Lord leads to a life of holiness. And then to be close with God, you must fear him. In closing, um, in the book of 2 Kings chapter 6, the king of Syria is making war against Israel. And the king of Syria traps, all, he puts all of these, these troops in, these, in this arm, this huge great army with chariots and horses all around the city. And Elisha, Elisha's servant, goes and he, he wakes up in the early morning when it's still dark and he wakes up early hours in the morning and he goes out and he sees that all these troops from the king of Syria are surrounding the city. And Elisha's servant goes to Elijah and he says, Elisha, what are we going to do? There's so many troops. We can't fight against this. What are we going to do, Elisha? And Elijah, I imagine, just took a step, step back and he looked at him and he said, in, in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16, he said, do not be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those that are with them. Elisha wasn't afraid because he feared God. And then the very next verse, verse 17 then Elisha prayed and said, O oh Lord, please open his eyes, Elisha's servant, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Elisha feared God, so he feared nothing else. He saw God's glory. He experienced God's power firsthand, so he wasn't afraid. Your fear of God grows proportionately to the amount of glory you see of God. The amount of glory you understand, the amount of glory of God's glory that you understand is the amount of holy fear that will be proportionately 
with it. See, the more you see of his glory, the more and more you will be in awestruck wonder, realizing you want nothing, absolutely nothing to do with the world and everything to do with him. So as we leave this morning, my encouragement is that we will walk in the fear of God, that we will make the fear of the Lord our greatest treasure. Let me pray that we would. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift that holy fear is. Thank you, God, for the fear of the Lord and how it transforms our life. It has the ability to transform our life and the beautiful gift that it is. Father, thank you for your son. Thank you, God, that your son came to die for us. Lord, I pray that those of us who are in Christ would begin to experience what the fear of the Lord is and experience the benefits of that and experience real closeness and intimacy with you. Father, for those of us in this room that don't know Christ, God, I pray that we we would come to know Christ, God, and then begin to walk in the holy fear that you've gifted to us. Lord, we thank you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.